Good morning and welcome to Wheaton Bible Church. Thank you, Nancy Huber, for that beautiful prelude. And I should say thank you also to her husband, Tom, and her son, Ben, for also helping to lead us in worship many times these recent weeks. Also want to give a special welcome to anybody who is joining us for maybe the first or second time, whether in the room here or online. We hope you sense God's grace and his presence amongst his people here at Wheaton Bible Church. We are here to continue to celebrate the gift of a Savior that the Father has given to us. And I encourage us all to come and worship him, to come to him humbly this morning, realizing full well that before our holy God we are sinners, but that because of his great mercy and his love for us, he has sent Jesus to us so that we can be reconciled to him into a relationship with him forever. Praise the Lord. We're going to begin with a call to worship, first from scripture and then from our choir. So let's join in a responsive reading from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Oh, come, come, let us adore him, him, Christ Christ the Lord. Lord. Oh 
Amen. Would you now stand with us? Let's sing together. Who is he to whom we pray? 
Let's pray together. This is a, <clears throat> a Christmas prayer from the Valley of Vision. Let's pray. What shall I render to thee, Lord, for the gift of gifts, thine own dear Son, begotten, not created, my Redeemer, my substitute? Here is the wonder of wonders. He came below to raise me above, was born like me that I might become like him. Here is love. When I cannot rise to him, he draws near with grace to raise me to himself. Here is power. When deity and humanity were infinitely apart, he united them. Here is wisdom. When I had no will to return to him, he came to save me to the uttermost, as man to die my death, to shed satisfying blood on my behalf. 
Oh God, take me in spirit to the watchful shepherds. Let me hear good tidings of great joy. Let my eyes be uplifted to a reconciled father. Place me with the animals in the stable to look with them upon my Redeemer's face, and in him account myself delivered from sin. Let me with Simeon clasp the newborn child to my heart, embrace him with undying faith, and exalt that he is mine and I am his. Amen. Let's stand. All the power of 
Good morning, it's so great to see you here today. My name is Michael and I serve with our creative team. As the year comes to an end, I usually spend time reflecting on the past year and making some resolutions and goals for the next. Now, if you're like me, I wanna let you know about two things to consider. The first is a Bible reading plan. This year as a whole church, we're going to be reading through the McShine Bible reading plan. That's spelled M-C, no. Uh, M apostrophe C-H-E-Y-N-E. It's a two-year plan to read through the whole Bible. Now, two years is a long commitment, but start by committing to read just January with us. Our teachings, worship, and devotionals will intertwine what we're reading and unite us as a church. You can get the month's guide on our website or social media this week. The second thing to consider is that groups will be launching in just a few weeks. To go with the reading plan, it helps to have a team encouraging you and talking about the readings with you. 
groups are with you to support you through life's challenges. And as we look forward to 2021, they're a source of joy and growth and connection. Hope lives here. Find it in your group. You can look through the directory to find a group that's right for you at wheatonbible.org groups. There are online only options and some that will meet in person with precautions in place. If you're not sure which is right for you, you can always chat with us on our website or consider joining a life group that starts with the Rooted Experience. That's all for today. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We hope you have a happy new year. All right, good morning, familia. Because we find ourselves right in the middle of Christmas and New Year's, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. That way we don't miss any of them. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Hannibal Rodriguez. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at church. And whether you're here or you are worshiping with us at home, um, always I want to welcome you and let you know that we're here to love you and serve you in any way we can. So please let us know. Now, I feel that today is a very special Sunday, not just because I'm preaching, because, you know, that's a given, um, but I think that it's a special Sunday because it's the last sermon of the year. And I, I you know, usually, and I'm not, I'm not talking about any other pastor preaching in this church, but usually pastors after Christmas season and everything is so crazy, nobody wants to preach the last sermon of the year because everyone is exhausted. But for some reason... The Lord has always given me such a great joy in preaching the last sermon of the year. Uh, and I've been doing it for the last 10, 15 years or so. Uh, 10 years, I would say. Um, and here's the reason why. The reason why I enjoy preaching the last sermon of the year is because I get to give you something to help you to encounter or step into 2021 or the following year. I get to give you something today that I think is important for us as we enter into 2021. Now, I think that we would all, all agree that 2020 was a very, very, very difficult year. Amen? Uh, and I think that we all agree that when we look into 2021, we are eagerly waiting and expectantly waiting and hoping for a better future. Amen? So this is the season, as you just heard in the video announcements, in which people have New Year's resolutions. And this is the season in which people uh, uh, plan, not, not just people, but companies and organizations. And everyone is thinking about what I'm going to do, what is it that I'm not going to do. You know, what's going to be the vision for the next season in my life? You know, what is it that I'm going to accomplish and how I'm going to accomplish those things? Uh, what, what are some of the disciplines that I need to put into practice? What are some of the spiritual disciplines as Christians? that we want to put into practice. And I think that when we think about the future, that's always a positive thing. Actually, I think that the Bible calls us to plan, to plan ahead. The book of Proverbs is extremely clear about this. There's examples of that in Proverbs 12 and 15 and in Proverbs 19, 20, and 21, if you ever want to look into that. The Bible calls Christians and believers to plan for the future. There's wisdom in that. On the other hand, I also think that there's a negative part to being so obsessed with planning for the future. Because there's this tendency, at least in many of us, and maybe not none of you, but maybe just in me, to have this tendency to plan for the future because to a certain degree, I want to control things in my future, right? The interesting thing, though, and one thing that we have learned in 2020 is that it doesn't matter how much you plan. It doesn't matter how many goals you have. It doesn't matter the size of your vision 
and the things that you want to accomplish and conquer, things change. And then at the end of the day, like Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It doesn't matter how much we plan, and we should plan. At the end of the day, only God knows, and we just got to trust and hope in him. So I think that there's one thing, though, that the Bible makes it clear, extremely clear, that we ought to do. At least one plan that we're supposed to have. And it's the plan of not forgetting and remembering who God is and what he has done. If there is one thing that you must remember, if there's one thing that you must do before we enter into 2021, just don't forget. Remember who God is and what he has done. If you want your heart to be prepared for 2021, we must take the time to do just that. So that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. Last sermon of the year, I get to preach for two hours. Um, so we're going to be looking into Psalm 78, and we're going to read a fraction of that psalm because it's extremely long. We're going to read from verses 1 through 8. So can you please stand for the reading of God's word, a sign of reverence to him and his word? If you are here with me, can you please say, I'm here. I'm here. Psalm 78 is starting in verse 1. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from, old, from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Verse 7, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for the blessing that it is for us to be here and to be exposed to the preaching of your word. Lord, as we are finishing 2021, I pray, Lord, that you prepare our hearts to receive to receive this new year. As we're finishing 2020, I pray that you uh, help, uh, help us set our hearts right before we enter into 2021. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you speak to us really clear today so we remember how to remember and that we don't forget. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus, and we all say, you may take a seat. Today, we're going to talk about four things. We're going to talk about the need the outcome, the motivation, and the practice of remembering. The need, the outcome, the motivation, and the practice of remembering, and I would add, and not forgetting. So let's go with the first point, uh, remembering, the need of remembering. Um, so before we move into 2021, 
Why do we need to remember? And I think that the Bible, this text is going to provide and give us two answers. Why is it that we need to remember? What I'm going to do is in this first point, I'm going to give you the first answer. And in my second point, I'm going to give you the second answer. So the question is this. Why do we need to remember? Why do we need to exercise and learn how to practice the spiritual, of di- the spiritual discipline of remembering? And the answer for me is actually very, very clear in the text. Because this is the way we shape or God shapes our hearts. The reason why we must remember and learn how not to forget is so God could deal with our hearts. I know that you have heard us say this before, but Jonathan Edwards, for example, the great American theologian, when he talks about the heart, he explains that the Bible, when he talks about the heart, he says that your heart is when, you're, when what you truly love is found. Um, the heart is the place in which all your thinking comes from. Your heart is where your emotions rest in your heart is, and is your heart what affects your will. So whenever you find the word heart in the Bible, it's giving you all this description that involves your mind, your will, your emotions, and even your affections. That's the heart. And what the psalmist is calling us to do is to remember and to not forget who God is and what God has done because that would affect our mind, will, and emotions. Now, where do I get that from? Well, that comes from verse 7. It says, then they will put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds. Notice here that the psalmist is making a connection between not forgetting and the word trust. Interesting there that the word trust in the original can be translated in four different ways. I'm going to give you three right now. The word trust can be translated as trust obviously, can be translated as confidence, and it can be translated as foolishness. The root of the same word can be translated in four different ways, trust, confidence, and foolishness. Actually, when I was reading the dictionary in this one, the word that the, the scholars use is not the word foolishness, but because this is a PG sermon, I'm not going to use the real word. And it's interesting that when you look into the Bible, you know that you can not only trust God, not just with your head, but in your heart. You have confidence in God, not just in your head, but in your heart. And everything that we do foolishly flows from our hearts. The reason why the psalmist is saying, is calling us to remember and not forget is because whenever we remember and not forget, our heart is being shaped, our heart is being transformed, our heart is being um, modified, so our mind, our will, and affections, and our emotions are affected by that. We trust and have confidence in God as a result of us learning how to remember and not forget. And the opposite is also true. If we don't know how to remember, and we are quick to forget, that's when we do foolish things. Actually, the rest of the psalm, and we only read a section of it, but the rest of the psalm gives you plenty of examples of when people don't learn how to remember. So, for example, in verse 8, it says that the people of God, the Israelites, forgot about God, and the result was, in verse 8, 
a stubborn, a rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God and whose spirit were not faithful to him. From verses 9 to 10, we have another example. One of the tribes of the Israelites, they forgot about God. They did not keep God's commandments, and they refused to obey God's word and God's law. Because they've, And then in verse 11, he tells you that they did that because they forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. The story continues, and then he talks about the Israelites and the time when they were in Egypt. And he tells us how God performed all kinds of miracles, and God provided everything that was needed for them. But he tells us that in the midst of all of this, the Israelites were complaining, and they started to test God. And in verse 42, he tells you why they did that. They did not remember his power. The day they redeemed them from the oppressor. Listen up, church. Whatever we remember and whatever we, not, we don't forget, that really, really, really affects your mind. That really, really, really affects your emotions. That really, really affects your will. When we remember, when we practice the spiritual discipline of remember, that's when we learn how to trust God, has confidence in God. And if we don't do that, the outcome is always foolishness. Now, I want to pause here and I want to make a statement that if my prayer is that you never forget. What matters most is not just that you remember what God did. That's important. But what matters most is that you can see the God behind every good work. That you can see his character. That you can see who he is. See, I am convinced, and I'm going to speak for myself, okay? I am convinced that whenever I struggle in anything that I struggle, is because I forget something. I forget not just the things that God has done, but I forget who he is. So let me give you a list. This is my own personal list. Let's see if, applies, if it applies to you. I fear when I forget that God is powerful. I'm anxious when I forget that God is sovereign. I worry when I forget that God is wise. I want control when I forget that God works providentially. I try to escape when I forget that God works in and through suffering. I resent when I forget that God is timely. I seek vengeance when I forget that God is just. I lose joy when I forget that God is my savior. I complain when I forget that God is good. I fight when I forget that God is my fortress. I can't sleep when I forget that God never sleeps. I seek for attention when I forget that he sees me. I get angry when I forget that he cares. I want more when I forget that he is enough and sufficient. I get exhausted when I forget that he is my rest. I become arrogant when I forget that he is my king. I struggle and sin when I forget that he is God. Am I the only one struggling? Something tells me that we all need to remember. And something tells me that we cannot forget. See, I told you that there were two answers on why we need to remember. One, 
was because that's how God shapes our hearts. And number two, because that is the only way that we can face this changeable future. Nothing is secure about the future. The only way we can encounter and face the future is when we remember what God has done and who he is. Now, with this, it's going to lead me to my second point then, the, out, the, the outcome of remembering. Um, I, I think that there's like at least 10 different things that happen in this text that tells you what happens when you remember. But I'm only going to give you four because I, wanna, I want us to do something at the end of the sermon. There are four outcomes that flow out of us exercising the spiritual discipline of remembering, not forgetting. This is how we learn how to worship. This is how we learn how to rest. This is how we learn to surrender. And this is how we learn to persevere. Worship, rest, surrender, and persevere. Look at outcome number one. We need to remember and learn not to forget because that leads us uh, to worship. This is verse four. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. In the context of the text, the psalmist is talking to parents, and actually he's calling the community of faith to tell their children and to tell the next generation everything that the Lord has done. In the context of the text, he's calling the church, if we were to transfer that to our time, to tell the next generation so they remember and never forget who God is. This is the thing when we remember it, though. That when you know the magnitude, the beauty, and the power of who God is, that leads you to worship. It's impossible not to see the magnitude of God, the beauty of God, the perfection of God, and not worship. And what the psalmist is calling us to do is to remember because then we will worship. And this is the, the tricky thing here, that the more we worship, the more we trust. That's a reality. For those of you that like to worship, that really helps you. If you don't like to worship, praying for you. Now, where do I get that from? Well, I got this idea from C.S. Lewis to begin with. Obviously the Bible, but then C.S. Lewis. He makes this argument about worship. We talked about this in the summer, I believe. But he makes this argument that he says that we delight in something. Our delight in something is complete uh, only until it is expressed. He actually says that during worship, God imparts himself to us more. Now, if I grab that concept and I bring it here, when we remember, that leads us to worship. And the more we worship, the more we have of him. And the more we trust him. Without remembering, there is no worship. When we forget, there is no worship. So here's a question for you. How is your worshiping of God this, worshiping of God these days? Maybe, just maybe, you're not taking enough time to remember and you are quick to forget. I am quick to forget. In the midst of changing times, we must stop to remember. Outcome number two, we need to remember, and we need to learn how not to forget, because that's how we find, find rest. 
Verse 7, once again, says, then they will put their trust in God. Now, you remember I told you there were four definitions for the word trust? Trust, confidence, foolishness, and rest. Actually, I would like to make the argument that in the Bible, whenever you find the word trust and whenever you find the word rest, they're always synonyms. To trust is to rest, to rest is to trust. What I like about the word trust and rest is that it's a picture word. It's calling us to imagine. It's not just a concept, you know. It, 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 it calls us to imagine what rest and trusting looks like. And, and the picture that comes to mind is someone that is willing to let go. You are, I, don't, I know that you've never been in one of those concerts, but there are some crazy concerts in which people jump on top of people. You ever seen that? Well, to do that, you really have to trust a bunch of strangers, which is crazy to me. But that image of someone letting go and resting in somebody else, that's what trust looks like. So the first time I was thinking about this, I remember uh, from age 13 to 17, right before I came to the United States, I was living in Ecuador because I got relatives that are from Ecuador. Um, and one of the things that I learned, I remember about Ecuador, is that there's earthquakes all the time. I mean, there's more things I remember, but that's one of the things I remember, right? Um, and I remember this one time, we used to live in a, in a building that had like three floors, and my, 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 uh, my mom, my brother, and I were in the first floor, and my little sister, maybe age five at that time, or six, where she was in the third floor. And then the earthquake started. Now, I'm the oldest of the three brothers, so I have, I think I developed this thing of protection, right? So as soon as the earthquake started, I, I, I tell my mom, uh, where's Andrea? That's my sister. And I start running upstairs. And remember, this is uh, like a five or six-year-old girl. And when I'm reaching the third floor, there's like eight steps to go. And all I see is this five-year-old Latin version of Wonder Woman jumping to me like eight steps down and she cleaned me like crazy and then we both ran, ran out. Now if she was Wonder Woman, obviously I was Superman, right? But we getting out, right? And I remember even every day, I remember and every, day, every time I, I think about resting and trusting, that's the picture that comes to mind. It's when you jump to God, you let yourself go and you rest and cling to him. This is the thing. When you look back, when you remember everything that God has done, when you bring to mind all the evidences of God's grace and God's love, when you can trace the, the hand of God and the heart of God, when you look back, there is no reason why we shouldn't be able to rest in him. There is no reason why we, we should have a hard time throwing ourselves to him, resting in him, and clinging to him. That's why for me, looking back is so important. It gives me enough information. It shows me God's record in order for me to face the future question. How is your resting in God these days? Maybe, maybe, just maybe. You're not taking enough time to remember 
in the midst of changing times, we must stop to remember. Outcome number three, we need to remember and not forget <clears throat> because that's how we learn to surrender. In verse seven, it says, do not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Notice that there's a connection here between remembering and obedience. I'm using the word surrender as a synonym of obedience because I think that obedience at the end of the day is surrendering our will to God's will. Now, the answer for this one, uh, the question for this one is, why would we surrender our will to God's will? Well, the exercise is exactly the same. When you go back, when you trace what God has done, when you see the evidences of God's love and God's grace, when you see how wisdom God has been, when you see how God works providentially and he puts everything and works everything together for the good of those that love him, why wouldn't we surrender our will to his will? He knows best. If God is good, if God is powerful, if God is safe, if God is in control, if God is all-wise, why wouldn't we surrender our will to his? See, I think we forget, many of us forget, that the most loving thing God could do for us is to not let us be. You know, I have two daughters that are teenagers now, and that's a phrase that they use all the time. Let me be. <laughs> That's not biblical, sister. <laughs> Can you imagine if God would let us be? The most loving thing God could do for you is to call you to obedience because he knows best. The worst thing God could do for us is to let us be. His commands, his law, his words are always good. Always good. But we cannot obey unless we learn how to remember. Question. How is your obedience today? Maybe, maybe, just maybe. We're not taking enough time to remember. Outcome number four. We need to learn how to remember and not forget because that's the only way we learn how to persevere. Verse 8. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn, rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. Verse 8, once again, makes a connection between remembering and a, lot, and a lack of loyalty and a lack of faithfulness. It says that when we forget... We then cannot exercise, cannot be loyal, and cannot exercise faithfulness. That's what the text says. If that is true for someone that forgets, the opposite is also true. When we remember, when we never forget, that leads us to, re, that helps us to remain loyal and to remain faithful. Therefore, we persevere. I'm going to do the same thing that I've been doing all morning. When we look back, when we trace God's faithfulness, when we see what God has done, when we can see the evidences of God's grace and God's love, when we can see how the Lord has been sustaining us, there is no reason why we should doubt that if he was faithful there, he will be faithful there. 
no reason why to doubt. If you trace how faithful God was in your past, there is no reason why to doubt that he will be faithful in your future. As we step into 2021, you have to look back. And you're going to be able to see the impeccable, spotless record of God. And that's the only thing we have to step into this new year. And we get to worship, and we get to rest, and we get to obey, and we get to persevere. Now, all these things are super important that you remember. All these things, trace what God has done, look at the God behind, look at the God behind every act, that he, every single little thing that he has done. But there's one more thing that you could never forget. Actually, when you trace the story of the Israelites, you see that whenever they remembered this one thing, is when they, it was during those times that they actually lived for the Lord well. This one, one more thing that they never forgot. When they, when they will remember, they will walk the way God wanted them to walk. And this is th- uh, point number three, their primary motivation to remember. And this is what they remember when they did well that God was their redeemer. We find that in verse uh, 35, and it tells us that when they were doing good, it was because they remembered that God was their rock, that God most high was their redeemer. Now, the concept of God as a redeemer is extremely important in the Bible, of course, because it tells you that God as a redeemer is the one that rescues that God as a redeemer is the one that purchases uh, uh, purchase your salvation. The God as a redeemer is the one that gives you freedom. The God as your redeemer is the one that sets you free. That's what the word redeemer means. Whenever the Israelites walked in faithfulness and loyalty toward the Lord, whenever they were obedient and resting in the Lord and worshiped the Lord, was because they would remember that their God was a redeemer. This is the interesting thing, though. <clears throat> that the text is going to explain everything that God had to do in order for them to embrace, in order for everything that God had to do in order for him to be a redeemer. In verse 38, for example, it says that he had to be merciful, meaning that he would not give them what they deserved. It tells us that, 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 uh, that God in the past had to forgive their iniquities. The word iniquities there is important because he talks about the sinful inclinations of the heart and the consequences of it. So it says that God, in a way, in a miracle and graceful way, not only extended mercy, but forgave their iniquities, the inclinations of their hearts. God did not destroy them. God restrained his anger. And God did not give them his full wrath. Stop there for a second. Because that's a picture of the cross. See, you cannot embrace the concept of God being a redeemer without thinking of the cross. This is the reason why this is here, to point us to Jesus. The New Testament makes it clear that Jesus is our redeemer. The redeemer that goes to the cross to receive the punishment we deserve, mercy. The redeemer that goes to the cross in order for him to forgive our iniquities. The redeemer that goes to the cross and takes our place so we would not be destroyed. The redeemer that... Um, that takes the wrath of God so we wouldn't have to take the wrath of God. This is how you should read 
Psalm 78, in light of who Jesus is. Because every single magnificent thing in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Every miracle points to Jesus. Every powerful thing God did points to Jesus. Every sacrifice points to Jesus. Every act of mercy and God being a redeemer points to Jesus. So if the Israelites were transformed, when they remembered that God was their redeemer, can you imagine what our lives will be like when we embrace the real, real redeemer made, in, uh, made flesh? See, the Israelites did not know what God was going to do for them. They did not know how costly that redemption was. But we do. Our redemption was costly. It cost God his son. The mercy of God was costly. It cost God Jesus. The forgiveness of God is costly. It cost Jesus. The wrath of God was costly. It cost Jesus. If we want to step into 2021, worshiping, resting, obeying, and persevering, we can never forget what our Redeemer did for us. Have you forgotten? Remember again. Now, for the next four minutes, I want us to practice that. So for those of you that are watching at home and worshiping with us at home, uh, please do it with us there as well. This is what I'm going to do. We're going to talk about the practice. I'm going to give you examples of what it means to practice uh, remembering. I'm going to use uh, the little thing I wrote about how I struggle, because I assume that all of us struggle somehow, right? I read the sentence, and I'm going to give you a few seconds just for you to remember and I ask that the Spirit helps you remember. And we're going to spend about four minutes. Um, so it's going to be you and the Lord, you and the Holy Spirit. And then at the end, I pray and we close. Is that good? All right. Can you please bow your heads? I fear when I forget that God is powerful. Can you remember how in 2020 God was powerful to you? I get anxious when I forget that God is sovereign. Can you remember how in 2020, God shows you that he is in control? I worry when I forget that God is wise. Can you think how in 2020, God showed you his wisdom? I want control when I forget that God works providentially. Can you remember how in 2020 God worked providentially on your behalf?
I try to escape when I forget that God works in and through suffering. Can you remember how God used your suffering for your good? I seek vengeance when I forget that God is just. Can you think how in 2020 God defended you? I complain when I forget that God is good. Can you remember how in 2020 he was good to you? fight when I forget that God is my fortress? Can you remember how God showed you that he is your fortress in 2020? I seek for attention when I forget that he sees me. Can you remember how in 2020 God saw you when nobody else did? I get angry when I forget that he cares. Can you think how in 2020 God showed you that he cares? I get exhausted when I forget that he's my rest. Can you think of the times in which in 2020 God gave you rest? I you struggle and sin when I forget that he's God? Can you think how in 2020 God showed you time and time again that he is God? All right, let me pray for us. Lord, as we try to remember how amazing, how powerful, how good, how perfect, how sovereign, how present you have been with us. When we try to remember, Lord, everything that you did and how you showed us your heart and your passion and your love and your commitment and your mercy and your grace. Our only prayer today, Lord, as we finish this 2020 year, is that by the power of the Spirit, you help us remember you and what you have done for us. Because we know that you always remember us because of Jesus and what he did for us. As we enter 2021, help us remember in such a way that we worship, we rest, we obey, we persevere.
In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church says. Amen. Church, as we remember God's goodness and faithfulness this year, and we enter into a new year, may we do so um, also remembering that through the hardships and through the suffering and affliction and pain and all of the things that we have experienced this year, God's everlasting love never changed. He loved us through this entire year, and he will love us next year. He will be here. He's actually been there already. So we can trust him, and we can enter into that year knowing that whatever he has for us is good, and that God is faithful. And may we renew our commitment to love him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, all our strength, all our soul, because he is worthy of our deepest affections, of our lives, of all the glory. And let's remember that we love him because he has loved us first. Amen? So let's make this song our prayer. Would you stand with us now and singing this? We will love you, Lord, because you've loved us first.
Before finishing our service, I want to remind you of three things, things that you cannot forget. Number one, remember that every week we pray for you and for your needs. So if you have, pray- if you have needs, please let us know. You could always text the word prayer to a <clears throat> somewhere on the screen or somewhere. Please send us your prayers. We're going to be praying for you. Number two, I want to invite you to continue to pray for the church and to sustain the church financially. As you know, we're trying to finish our year um, meeting our budget well. So please continue to give. Please continue to pray. And number three, I want to remind you of a blessing that Jesus already won for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the church says, have a blessed day. Thanks for coming. We love you. Church, you are sent.